Welcome to This Week in Brattleboro History, brought to you by the Brattleboro Historical Society and the Brattleboro Area Middle School. This week we will play an exclusive interview with Rich Holshue. I was born in uh, the town of Port Jefferson on the north shore of Long Island, New York. It is a town on Long Island Sound that faces Connecticut. Mm-hmm. Looks at New England, but I was not born here. Um, I came to Vermont in 1982, so I've been here since then. And I came here because as a child, I moved around a lot. I went to seven different schools. And when I came of age, I was tired of moving around. And I wanted to settle down. And Vermont seemed like a good place to do that. And it has been. I'm still here. Cool. So what was your childhood like? Well, a lot of moving. Born on Long Island, we moved to Pennsylvania, then we went to upstate New York, and then we went back to Pennsylvania, and then back to upstate New York, then back to Long Island, and then back upstate. So there's that. The reason we were doing all of this is because my dad decided he wanted to be a minister, a Protestant minister, and often in that kind of a job, you move around a lot to different churches to work with different people. So that's my upbringing. Very religious, moving around a lot, and both of those things have changed a lot. I am no longer conventionally religious, and I stay in one place. William Brattle Jr. was born on April 18, 1706. He was an attorney general of the province of Massachusetts Bay. In 1769, he supported the revolutionary cause, but then became the major general in the militia of Great Britain and Massachusetts in 1771. When Rich was researching some of Brattleboro history, he first discovered William Brattle. He was curious about William's personal history. So when did you start getting interested in William Brattle? When I was digging into the pre-European history of Brattleboro, which is named after William Brattle, I wanted to understand how um, how these two groups of people came together and how they interacted, what was causing it, and what came out of it. So I began to look into the story of William Brattle himself, for whom the town is named. Does your family have a history with Brattle, or did you just like learn about him and do more research? This is just personal research. No, um, no family connection at all. My family is not from this area. Okay, so why is it important that William could have been in Brattleboro? The, the conventional histories, if you look up Brattleboro, on the Chamber of Commerce or on Wikipedia or things like that. It will tell you that the town is named after William Brattle, who never set foot here. That's what they say. I have evidence to the contrary, and I have never encountered anybody saying this before, so I'm kind of happy that I discovered this. It's my little, like, gotcha, and I can recite that for you if we get to that. So what kind of evidence do you have? Here's the short story. The first thing that has to be cleared up is that there were two William Brattles. They were both involved in this place. The William Brattle that the town is named after is the younger one, the son of William Brattle. The first William Brattle was a minister in Cambridge, Massachusetts, a very, very wealthy man. And his son, William Brattle, named after him, obviously, was also a very wealthy man. When he was at the height of his career, he was considered the richest man in New England. So why is he connected to this place, and how did that happen? It was all about land. That's how you made your money back in those days. You acquired land, usually by gift from having good connections with somebody important, or 
buying it very cheaply. And then you would sell it to somebody else at a profit. That's how you made your money. That's how people still make money. But it was a big deal back then. William Brattle was one of those people. He knew all of the governors. He was already the richest man in New England. So he had a lot of money to throw around and to buy influence. And he was connected with the right people in the right place. So when the English were trying to grab all the land that they could because they were a growing colony, taking that land from the native people who were already here, that's the only place it could come from, they were making deals right and left. And so when one of those deals was going down in 1735, the governor of the the Bay Colony of Massachusetts, his name was Jonathan Belcher, funny name, it's what Belcher Town is named after in Massachusetts, He traveled out to Deerfield, Massachusetts, which was the frontier at the time. This is 1735. And with him came a whole group of people. His his lawyers, his attorneys, his uh, bodyguards, his counsel. They all traveled out with him to meet with the native people at Deerfield to make the deal. They actually signed a treaty. In that party of people with the governor, I suspected was one of his friends, William Brattle. That is proven by the fact that William Brattle's name is on the treaty that they signed. He signed it as a witness. He was present. That puts him at Deerfield, not in Brattleboro, not at, not at what became Brattleboro. But a historian of Deerfield and Northfield recounts that somebody found a manuscript. This is like one of those random things. Nobody knew this until they found this piece of paper. And it is the diary of one of the council members who traveled out with this party with Governor Belcher, and he says that when the treaty conference ended in 1735 at Deerfield, they traveled north to Fort Dummer. Fort Dummer is Brattleboro, named after another governor, Dummer, another funny name. Dummerson's named after him, too. And so if the whole party left Deerfield and came up here to Fort Dummer, William Brattle was in that party because he was traveling with them. So he's, he's, he's physically traveling with these people, so... Practically, he kind of has to move with them. He also had a financial interest in coming to this place. Why? Because his father had bought land here, and he inherited that land. He wanted to survey his holdings. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. He had money on the table, basically, and he was making sure that his name remained attached to that. And so, in fact, in 1753, and I'm going on a little bit here, but this is the story. No, that's good. That's good. In 1753, when the governor of New Hampshire, Benning Wentworth, also a friend of William Brattle, of course, when he was handing out charters to the towns in what became Vermont, 1753 and December 26th, the day after Christmas, Brattleboro was chartered by Governor Benning Wentworth. Bennington is named after him. You can see a pattern here. If you have lots of money, you get a town named after you. He handed out the charter to Brattleboro. He named it Brattleboro in honor of his friend, William Brattle, and gave him a whole bunch of land, again, that William Brattle sort of owned on paper, but not really, because nobody was here, as far as the Europeans were uh, thinking. Of course, the native people were here. So William Brattle got a town named after him. He had money on the table. He was looking out for his own interests, and he was the wealthiest man in the Bay Colony. Yeah, that was like a really interesting story. Um, what do you think about William's views on Native Americans? I have found some mentions of William Brattle in connection with the Native people. I know that he supported the Bay Colony's policies. He himself was an officer 
in the British Army. This is before the United States began. It was still Britain. He was an officer, and he was involved in these conflicts about land, not only here, but also in Maine. He had land holdings in Maine on the Kennebec River, in New Hampshire on the Merrimack River, and these were lands that were contested with the native people. So he was involved in making treaties, which is basically to protect British interests and take the land away from the native people. Whether he was actually in conflict himself, I don't know. His grandfather was. Thomas Brattle was a, an officer in King Philip's War in 1675, and um, the Brattles were in, in it in many ways. Thank you. So what do you find so interesting about Brattleboro's history? I find it important for me as a person, and I think probably for humanity in general, to, to know the place where they are. I think it is uh, only natural to understand where you are. It's not a part of the society we live in. We move around a lot, as I did when I was a child, and many of you may have lived in other places. You may leave here and not come back. That, result, that, that separation from a sense of place, I find to not be helpful in the long run because as a society we have separated ourselves from place, which you can think of as your environment. It's why things are going downhill quickly in terms of climate change, environmental degradation, aggression, things like that. I, I see that as a, large, as a symptom of something much larger, and so it's important for me to understand this place. It makes me a more complete person. How do you get your information about William Brattle? I do a lot of reading. I do a lot of reading online, primarily, because I have a computer sitting on my desk. But when I need to, I go and dig out an, a, a book and find this information. It's interesting that you can continue to do this for a long, long time. History is um, incomplete. It is written by one person. It's their viewpoint. And so there are many other viewpoints, and a lot of them are hidden. You can rediscover them, just like that diary of the person who traveled out to Deerfield. Nobody knew that existed for 200 years. And somebody found a piece of paper that said, this is what we did, and we went to Fort Dummer. History can change. It's not erasing it, it's completing it. That's how I look at it. Filling in the gaps. We'd like to thank Imani and Priya for doing the research, and Rich Holshue for participating in our interview. Please join us next week for another story from Rattleboro's past. <laughs>